Uh, I think some of you already know this. A lot of you probably do. I absolutely love Johnny Cash. I think I've said it a couple times. Anybody else? Johnny Cash fans? Okay, my favorite Johnny Cash song would have to be the song Hurt. Anybody know the song, Hurt? So this is a song, it's originally written by the lead singer of a band called Nine Inch Nails, and it's a song kind of going through his struggle with addiction. And Johnny Cash had this um, producer later in life named Rick Rubin, and Rick Rubin came to him and said, Johnny, you gotta do a cover for this song. And he's like, I'm not doing a cover of that song. It's too different than what I do. And he said, no, you, you need to do it. And so Johnny Cash does a cover of this song, Hurt, and it, the song magically changes from being a song about somebody um, struggling with addiction to be a song of someone facing death, facing old age. So I'm going to have us play this video here in just a second. But in this video, like I said, it seems to me to be totally changed from this song that is about addiction to a song about old age and looking back on life. And so we're going to play that um, video, and then we'll pick up from there. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the and you could have it all My empire of dirt I will let you down I will make you hurt You stay the hell away from me, you hear? I wear this crown of thorns Upon my liar's chair Full of broken thoughts I cannot repair Beneath the stains of time The feelings disappear 
you are someone else I am still right here What have I become My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the year And you could have it all My empire of dirt I will let you down That thing destroys me every time I watch it. I've probably watched it hundreds of times, and I, I lose it almost every single time because I really feel like in it he says, what have I become? And, and I'm not getting, I'm, I'm older, but I'm not that old, but I look in the mirror sometimes, I'm like, what have I become? But age does this thing to us, and he's sitting there, and he's singing, and he says, what have I become? And I feel like throughout the song he's saying, I'm a different person now. Most of my loved ones are gone. My money, my fame, it does nothing for me now. I think what he's saying is, I'm dying. And I think it's a kind of a look back of what is the purpose of all this? Like, what's the purpose of this? And um, that song, I think, has become such a popular song and such a hit because I think it resonates with a lot of us. Like, what's this life all about? What's the purpose of this? Like, this, this sucks sometimes. So what's this life really all about? And this song, like I said, it became this huge hit. And um, in 2003, Country Music Awards, this song was single of the year. This, the video was music video of the year. And the song, this album that has this song on it, won album of the year. And Johnny Cash died two months before that. And I think it's this whole thing of, in this video, he's basically saying, like, what have I become? And you get this beautiful picture, this hard picture of an old man who's looking back on life. And I feel like the reason I played this video is because that, it, it does something that I could not do no matter how hard I tried. And what it does is it paints the picture of the book of Ecclesiastes. That's what we're doing today is the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've ever read it, it will make you miserable if you miss a couple key parts. But in this book of Ecclesiastes, you have a, a man who's a king, and he's looking back on life. What was the meaning of this life? What was the meaning? And so in, in the book, Ecclesiastes, we get this guy, we just find out he's the king, the king in Jerusalem, and he's looking back on his life. What was this really all about? 
And so that's what Ecclesiastes is. In, in this book, and the same as in this video, you're watching like the past and you're seeing like Johnny Cash is old and then is young and then is old. And you see like it just makes it feel like time goes so fast. And, and the same thing with the book of Ecclesiastes, it uses this word vanity 37 times. And that word vanity actually means a vapor. And so in a way, it's like throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, it's like saying this life is a vapor. It says the same thing in James. There's, there's two different verses. One that says the few days of his life, talking about us as people, that we have a few days of life on earth. And it says that it passes like a shadow. So we, we know a little bit about who wrote it. We know that it's a king. A lot of people think it was Solomon. Um, we're not going to dive into it too much. We're just going to call him the old man. So this old man writes this book, The End of Life, looking back, what was the meaning of life? And he says it's vanity. It's a vapor. This uh, verse, Ecclesiastes 1, 2 through 3 says, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil in which he toils under the sun? So this thing about this book is uh, life is hard, right? And you, and you work and you work and you work and it's hard. And, and what he's saying is all of that, it's a vapor. It's just gone. He's saying it's toil, it's work. And what is the purpose of all of this? He goes on and he says um, that in, in, in Ecclesiastes 1.13, he says, And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. And so this guy, this old man, he's saying, listen, I have spent my life trying to figure out what the meaning of life is. And I want to share it with you. He goes on and he says that um, everything that is under the sun. And so what he's saying is, is, is not thinking of there being no God, what is this life like? And that's really what the book is all about, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, but before we do, let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you how you use your word to penetrate our hearts. Um, God, I thank you for these words of an old man. I pray that you'd open our hearts to hear them, to learn from them and to see you through them. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have this old man looking back on life, and he's saying, what is the meaning of all this? What is the meaning of all this? And so he goes through, and he says, hey, look, I tried my best to figure out what the meaning of this life is. And he said, so first thing I did is I decided maybe it's about pleasure. So what he does is he, he fills his life with laughter, with wine, and with materialism. And he says that he, um, it's in verse 210, I believe, he says, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. And I think that a lot of us, we kind of be like, man, can you imagine if you saw something and you want it, you could just get it? Like, how awesome would that be? Like, I don't know if you're like me, but you hate being patient. You hate waiting for things. Like, your car is starting to break down. You're like, it'd be sweet if I could just go get another new car. Or if, you know, like, your body, you could just go get a new body. Like, just all these things we just want newer and better, right? And so he says, if life's about pleasure, and he says, See, he seeks that out. He tries to fill his life with laughter, fill his life with entertainment. And it says that he builds houses, he builds vineyards, he builds gardens, parks, orchards. He puts in pools, and then he puts in irrigation systems so that the water from that pool feeds all of that stuff. He, he gets a bunch of slaves to help get work done faster. He gets a bunch of animals, he gets gold, he gets silver, and then he hires entertainers. And I think that a lot of us, we'd look at this and be like, man, that would be awesome to be able to do. And he spends his life, and he's got so much money, and he's just, anything he wants, he gets it. Anything he, when he wants it right now, boom, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And he lives his life for pleasure. Uh, it even talks about 
uh, relationships, sex, and he fills his life with anything that will give him pleasure. And you know what he says? He says he kept nothing from him that would give him pleasure. And he says it was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. If we try to live our life in such a way that we just want satisfaction, we want pleasure, it's going to be a chasing after the wind. And what he says is this. He says, here's the problem. The problem is if you live your life to have pleasure, if you live your life to get something to give you pleasure, you will be miserable. And the reason why you'll be miserable is because there's a problem. There's always something that is new and better. And no matter how hard you work to get the newest thing, there's going to be something newer. And then you have that, and then now this is a piece of junk, and I need the newer thing. And and you can see that in in our lives. I was listening to somebody talk about this, and they were talking about a stereo. Like, you know, I was however old, and I got this stereo, and the stereo was great, but then pretty soon it wasn't that great anymore, and the speakers were too big, and, the, and you change it. And the same thing with cell phone. Like, the cell phones were way too big, and then they got way too small, and now they're way too big again, and, and, and it keeps on going. Like, pretty soon we're going to be walking around with computers on our ear, you know? But, like, there's this thing of if you're going after pleasure, you, you're not going to be able to keep up with it because there's always something new. There's always something more. And he says, I did it. I've tried it. Um, I heard somebody say, there's a t-shirt that says, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And uh, he does it. Everything you can imagine, he does. And he says that it's meaningless because there's always something more that you could experience. So he's saying life under the sun, life apart from God, we're going to fill our lives trying our best to just have pleasure, satisfaction, joy. And if we live like that, it will be meaningless. It will be like a chasing after the wind. He goes on and he says, okay, so pleasure doesn't work. We can't just do pleasure and and get, get like that to be the meaning of life. So let's try something else. Let's try wisdom. So He quickly realizes that doesn't work because the more wise you get, the more you see how foolish things are. And so he gets all this wisdom and it just makes him miserable because he sees all those things. He becomes displeased with it. He says it's it's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind because you can always know more. You can get broader. You can get deeper in your understanding of things. And so he's chasing after wind. He can't attain it. He can't catch it. It's meaningless. Um, if we live our lives apart from God in such a way that we are going after pleasure, it's meaningless. It's a chasing after wind. If we do the same thing with wisdom, it's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. And he, he says, he comes to this realization, he says, do you know what? Everything that has been will be again. Everything that, that will be will have already been done. There's nothing new under the sun. And so, like, we feel like we're doing something amazing and awesome. It's, somebody's already done it. And he says he realizes that chasing after wisdom doesn't matter. No matter how wise I get, guess what? When I die, people will forget who I was. And so you get this picture of this old man looking back on life saying, I tried pleasure, it didn't work. Tried wisdom, it didn't work. Tries work. He says, okay, it's not, it's not pleasure, it's not wisdom, maybe it's work. And so he spends his life working as hard as he can to, to get a name, to get things. And so he's working like crazy, but he realizes that doesn't work. And the reason why it doesn't work is because once you've achieved, now you got to stay on the top. Like you think of Michael Jordan. I, I've shared this uh, probably a year ago. I, this article about his life and how he desperately wanted to win so bad that it like destroys him. And he, he won all these national championships and then he retires from basketball to go play baseball. Didn't work out like he thought. 
So then he goes back to baseball or back to basketball so he can get more champions and more champions. But the thing is, is once you achieve the heights, now you have to worry that you lose it. And so he's like, work, it's meaningless. Maybe you work hard enough that you can have 10 awesome cars. And so you buy this nice big barn and you put your 10 cars in and you're like, look at this. I got 10 awesome cars. Guess what happens? If a tornado comes, you have 10 times the problems. Because now you're worried that all this is going to get destroyed. And so he says, if you live in such a way that you're working and you're trying to find your joy and your peace and your satisfaction and your pleasure and your fulfillment in your work, it's not going to last. It's not going to work. The more you have, the more you worry about that, those things being gone. The more you achieve, the more fear you have of losing all that you have. He goes on, he says, this too is meaningless. It's the chasing after the wind. I, I came up with this. I, I thought I could probably do a PowerPoint, but I wasn't sure. I, I'm not a PowerPoint guy, really. And I thought, you know what, I'll just bring a little whiteboard in here. And then I realized I don't know how I'm going to hold the whiteboard up. And so this is my whiteboard, right? So this is what he does. He structures, I knew I was going to open it upside down. He structures his life like this. He kind of says, life is all about me. I get to decide what's pleasure. I get to decide wisdom and work. And he structures his life with him in the center. I'm going to fill my life with pleasure, with wisdom, with work. And he, he does this. And all through uh, like chapter 2 into chapter 3, he's doing this and he decides this doesn't work. This doesn't work. That's what the first part of Ecclesiastes is about, is if we want to live a life where we fill it with trying to please ourselves, with wisdom, with work, it's not going to work. What's crazy is, as the book goes on, it seems like the guy um, is becoming mad. So he, he's like, I tried pleasure, it didn't work. I tried wisdom, it didn't work. I tried work, and, and that didn't work. And so then he kind of loops back to pleasure. And it's crazy. There's, there's all these different places where you can kind of see this. There's verses that, like, if you tell somebody that, this is a verse in the Bible, they'd be like, are you kidding me? That's in the Bible? Um, he's going mad. And so some of the verses are... Um, in chapter 2, verse 24, he says, there's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Like, life's not worth anything. Just, just eat, drink, and, and kind of try to enjoy your work. And then he goes on and says very similar in chapter um, 3, verse 12, 13. There's nothing better for them to be joyful than to do as long as they live. And it goes through this almost exact same type of thing. Like he, he, he goes through and he's like, maybe it's about work. Nope, it's not about work. Maybe it's about wisdom. Nope, not about wisdom. Maybe it's about pleasure. No, not about pleasure. And then you even get my favorite verse in this chapter is verse 10, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 19. It says this, bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Like, for those of us who have lived a little while, we know that that's not really true. But in this, he's, he, he's going through this circle, and, and really what I think he's, he's, he's doing is this, is he's constructed his life around those things, the, the pleasure, the work, the wisdom, and so he's doing this, and he, he'll start off and he'll be like, maybe life's about pleasure. No, it's, pleasure doesn't work, so now let me try wisdom. Okay, wisdom won't work, it won't fulfill me, it won't satisfy me, it won't please me, so let me try work. And then work doesn't do it, so then he goes back to pleasure. And he just continues through this cycle, through the whole book of, of, of what is it that will please me up under the sun. 
I'm an old man, and I'm, I'm, I'm here. I've tried. I've tried this. It didn't work. I tried that. It didn't work. I tried this. It didn't work. And he's saying, I went through years and years of my life just bouncing between these three, trying to find the meaning of life. And he says, all of it is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. The thing about this, I think this is, this is us. You know, I, I've heard so many times people say, like, well, the Bible's not applicable. I have a hard time reading it and studying it because it's just not very applicable. Are you kidding me? Like, how many of us spend our lives seeking pleasure? And when it doesn't seem like it's working, we kind of switch gears a little bit. And let, maybe I could just try some wisdom. And then, okay, that's not really working. Maybe if I just work harder, if I do this, if I do that. And we, we spend our lives just in circles trying to find anything to please us, to bring satisfaction, to bring joy, to bring um, comfort. I mean, I think all of us, I, I'm, I'm super guilty in this. How many times do we think that if we just get a little bit more money, things will get better? How many times do we, we just want to be with the right people, and we want to party, we want to have fun, we want to have good times, we want to go on vacations? Like, I'm not saying there's anything bad with vacations, but if you absolutely hate your life and you're just waiting for the day that vacation comes, that's a problem. That's like when I shared a couple weeks ago the difference between a trip and a vacation. Like, you get so excited about your vacation only realize it was a trip, and it really wasn't that great in the first place, you know? But if we live our lives, and, and we do this where we want pleasure so much, we find pleasure in new cars, houses, boats, barns, pools, landscaping, decorating our house, or redecorating our house, or a new phone, or new clothes, or we, 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 we seek after pleasure so much, hoping that it will give us some satisfaction, some comfort. We do the same thing with wisdom. If I could just read more books, pay attention to politics, know what's going on in the news, understand how things work. Like we, we spend so much of our time trying to understand how things work. And I even think we as Christians oftentimes do this with the Bible. Like if I could just read as many books as I can come up with and I can understand, and the purpose becomes gaining of wisdom rather than knowing God. There are people I know that truly have a library of books that they have read. But I feel like sometimes I wonder, would we be better off to know more and to read more books or to just begin to put into practice the things that we've already read? I think sometimes this desire to go through life and to get more wisdom, it's actually to distract us from the fact that we're miserable. I think what, what's, what the author of this, this old man, he's saying, I'm looking back over life. I spent it trying to get pleasure, trying to get wisdom, trying to, trying to do work in, in such a way that it gives me satisfaction, it fulfills me, and it didn't work. And I think we're in that same point. We've tried pleasure. We try wisdom. We try work. If I can get, if I can get the right status, if I can, um, it, you know, for younger people, it can be about popularity or position. It's like we feel like we want to be somebody. We want to please people. We want to feel important. We need to prove ourselves to the people around us. We want to be known. We want to be liked. We want to get something. But again, you work so hard to get to that, and then now you got to worry about falling from that level. This old man says wisdom won't work. Work doesn't work. Pleasure doesn't work. Apart from, under the, like under the sun, apart from God, that's all we do is we just run through this cycle. 
pleasure, work, wisdom, pleasure, work, wisdom. We just try to find the right combination of those to bring us joy and satisfaction. How many of us in here absolutely hate our jobs? And the only reason that you do it is to get a paycheck, right? It's the only reason. Why do you want a paycheck? So I can buy stuff. Why do you want to buy stuff? Because we're seeking after pleasure. You know, I think that oftentimes we want to have um, the, the best um, wisdom to help us with to do the best work so that we can get the most pleasure. And it's a cycle. You know, there's, for younger people, oftentimes it's, I need to go to college so I can get the best degree, so I can get the best job, so I can make the most money, so I can have the best stuff, so that people will think that I'm somebody. And the whole time you're on this little hamster wheel and you're miserable. Because life, what this, this guy on his deathbed is saying is life is not about the pursuit of pleasure, of wisdom, and of work. There's something far greater than that. And it's a chasing after the wind. It's meaningless. And then he kind of, I think, begins to explore why is it like that? Why, why does that stuff not fulfill us like we think it should? In chapter 3, verse 11, he says, talking about God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And he says, also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. What he's saying is, listen, God is in control of all of this. God knows what he's doing. He's put eternity into our hearts, but we can't quite figure out. Then in verse 8, or in chapter 8, verse 8, he says, no man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. And what he's saying is, listen, like, you and I, we can't decide, yeah, I don't, I don't want to die today. I'm just going to keep on going. Like, we don't get to make that choice. And he's, he's very clearly saying that there is, there's something that's been put in place that is beyond our control. It says something very similar in, in 8.13, in, in chapter 8 and verse 13. It says, but it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days. Like, we can't prolong the days. We can't keep the spirit in us. And then later, um, he says in chapter 11, verse 5, that it is God that put the spirit in us. And so what I think he's doing is he's saying, listen, this doesn't work. Pleasure, wisdom, work. It doesn't, it won't give you satisfaction. It won't give you peace. Do you know why? Because God has defined it in a way that it won't. There is a missing piece to the puzzle. We go back and we can read even in Genesis. Remember, all the way back in Genesis, that's why we did this whole story of the Bible and how uh, Kevin and Ron and I were talking the other day like, man, we probably went way too fast in that. But the whole reason why we did it as fast as we possibly could is just to help people understand the story of the Bible. God creates everything. Man and woman decide not to do what God has called them to do. And all of it's pointing to the fact that something else needs to happen is that that there'll be a, someone who will fix the problems. And something else happens that one day he's going to come back for his people. That's why we, we did all that. And so what we're saying is, is all the way back by this X, God says, listen, I, tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. And Adam and Eve choose to eat of it. And because they choose to eat of it, they get consequences. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19, God has given the, the consequence to man. And he says this, Chapter 3, verse 17, it starts. He says, and, he, and God said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you've eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorn and thistles 
shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. What he's saying, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, because God made it in a perfect way, and we chose to go away from that, because of that there's consequences. The consequences are there's a curse that none of that's going to please us. It's the curse of life, is that we can seek and try and work as hard as we can to fill our lives with pleasure, to fill our lives with work, fill our lives with wisdom, and it's not going to satisfy us. It's not going to fulfill us. It goes all the way back to Genesis. It goes all the way back. We were under a curse. In that, it talks about thorns and thistles. How many of you can say, like, this life is like thorn and thistles, wherever I turn. So when we first um, kind of got, got the building, we, I went around and I pulled a bunch of weeds, put a bunch of landscaping down, and things looked great. But really quickly, weeds come back. We pull the weeds, put more mulch down. Before you know it, it comes right back. It's thorns and thistles. Like this life, we seek to go after pleasure, wisdom, and work, and it doesn't satisfy us. It wasn't designed to especially after the fall. So the fall happens, thorns and thistles and the sweat of your face. How many times do you go through this life and you're like, man, this is the sweat of my face everywhere I turn. It's not easy. It's no vacation. Remember we said a couple weeks ago, like life is not a vacation. Life is a trip. And so how do we respond to that? Okay, pleasure, work, wisdom, it doesn't fulfill us. There's a curse we need to realize that there is one who became the curse. In the Bible, it talks about how Jesus became the curse for us. It talks about how God created him who had no sin to be sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. There was someone who came to save us from this. It's that horizontal arrow. There's something that happened to save us from that, and it's that Jesus came. That's the whole reason why he came to save us from ourselves of living in this circle that doesn't work, that leaves us empty. So what do we do with it? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Old man on his deathbed saying, that stuff didn't work and I spent my life trying to make it work. You know what he says? It's kind of like he's saying, "I, I, I know now the purpose of life. Remember your creator and your youth. It goes through right after this in, in, in um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. So it says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and your years draw near, which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. What he's saying is the older we get, it's harder to find the pleasure that we once used to find. And it goes on, it says, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain and the day in which the keepers of the house tremble. There's, I really wish I would have paid more attention to Mrs. Arakari's English class in high school because there's so many similes and what are, those, what are the other words? Metaphors and like there's all this stuff that I'm like, I don't know. I think I can figure some of this out. But what happens, this is what he's saying. He's saying, remember your creator before, and when it says um, the darkened and the clouds um, and the, the keepers of the house tremble, 
It's your hands. When we get older, our hands begin to tremble. He's saying, remember the Lord. And then he goes on, he talks about the, um, the strong men. He's talking about legs. Before your legs begin to bend. And he says about your um, grinders, it's your teeth. Before your teeth start falling out. Remember the God of your youth. He goes on and talks about the windows being dimmed. It's your eyes. Before we begin to lose our eyesight, let's remember the Lord. He goes on and talks about the doors are shut and we can't, and the sound of the grinding has become low. Before our ears start to give out, we should remember the Lord who created us. My favorite one, the almond tree blossoms. Almond trees, when they blossom, they're beautiful white flowers. Before your hair turns white. Remember the God of your youth. Before the grasshopper drags, when you get older, your walk changes. Um, those of you who know Shane, my youngest, he um, is very funny, and he's often quite inappropriate. Um, and he always will say, look at me, I'm going to walk like an old man. And he does this walk, and his walk is the his legs are dragging. Because that's just what happens. Our bodies aren't made to last forever. Our bodies already are in the process of shutting down. Amen? <laughs> he goes on and he says, desire fails. Have you ever sat with somebody um, in hospice? Food, they don't really care about food. They don't really care about a drink. Money means nothing to them. Sexual desire is gone. Pleasure, wisdom, work. I could care less. My grandfather, um, I think, had, had a pretty good amount of wealth. He had a piece of pottery from the Ming Dynasty in China. I don't know how much it was worth. It had to have been worth something. And when he was in hospice, he did not ask for us to go get that piece of pottery to bring to his bed. It's meaningless. Most of the things that you and I are so concerned about, a year from now, will be meaningless. But we spend our lives in this cycle. And Jesus came to save us from that curse. And he says, remember the God your God in your youth. What does he mean by in your youth? I think what he means is before you're really old and about to die like I am in this. But here's the thing. I think I, I've seen when I was doing youth ministry, I feel like a lot of times um, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college people, like we can get super excited and we get on fire for the Lord. But, but you know what I feel like I saw? I would get so frustrated with the parents of the youth. Because I was like, man, these parents, they are like, all they care about is work and how much money they're going to make. And it doesn't seem like, it, it seems like they've gotten in this trap. And then the church that we were going to when Sarah and I first um, were, just got married and right before we got married, they did Sunday school, right? And Sunday school classes, they would, they'd break up by ages. So you'd have like the middle school, the high school, the college, the 
early this, the early, like, and they had all these different ones. And then one of the groups was called the home builders. And this is like the people that like, you're starting your family and you're getting your job and they all wore their shirts tucked in and it drove me nuts. But <laughs> you had this group of people in, in, all, in all honesty, and when I would look at them, I'd be like, man, these people are so trapped. They're so focused on their jobs and their little tiny little kids and what is going on? Why don't they have this fire for the Lord? Be, be, because what I think happens is we become distracted by so many things. And I get it. I'm, I'm the same way. Like our jobs put huge pressure on us. And kids, oh, a lot of pressure with having kids. But I think what this old man is saying is you could get into this trap and you'll be on your deathbed looking back. Miserable. And you'll say, how I wasted my life. How I spent it for pleasure, for wisdom, and for work. And I got stuck in the trap. I think he's saying, listen, while you're... Remember him in your youth. Remember him up until that day that we depart this life. What he's saying is life under the sun, under the S-U-N sun, is meaningless apart from living it underneath the sun, S-O-N. It is him who, who, who saved us from the curse, and so I think what, what he's saying is, look, we've structured our lives in this triangle of pleasure, of work, and of wisdom. And I think what he's saying is this. Um, and this moves into to chapter 12, verse 13. If you open that up. The end of the matter has all been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. So it's like the book's miserable. It's like, oh, you're going to be miserable with everything. It's all meaningless. It's chasing after the wind. And you're like, oh, this is a very encouraging book today. But when you get to the end, if you see what he's saying is, listen, I lived my life chasing all of these things and, and I got stuck in the trap. And my fear is that other people in this room have gotten stuck in the trap as well. And so I think what he's saying to us is, listen, remember the God of your youth. And he says, fear God and keep his commandments. When you think about um, what are the commandments? Like, a lot of us, we look through the Old Testament, like there's a whole lot of them. Well, this lawyer comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, hey, um, simplify this whole thing. And he tries to test him. He says, what's the, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus says, the first and greatest commandment is this, love your neighbor, or love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. He says, and the second is like it, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so we get this, that's the greatest commandments. And so, so what I think he's saying is, listen, don't live your life in this triangle. What he's saying is, listen, live your life in such a way that you love God and you love others. The trap is, is that we get and put ourselves in the middle. But what I think he's saying, this old man is saying, is listen, do not structure your life in such a way that you are at the center of it. Structure your life with the one who died, the one who became the curse for us. And, and the commandments, love God, love others. But then, Matthew 28, 19, just before Jesus leaves and departs, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. What I really believe that this book is telling us is we are 
so easy to get stuck in this trap of living for pleasure, living for work, living for wisdom. And I think what he's saying is, you do that when you are at the center. But if you would allow Jesus to be at the center, then you can live for loving him, loving others, and making disciples. The problem, I think, that what he's saying is, you and I, we have structured our lives in the wrong way. You know what I've um, found out about parenting that's the hardest part, that's the most frustrating part? No matter how much you tell your kids and how much you try to help them learn from your mistakes, most of the time, they want to make their own. This is the same thing when you're coming alongside a younger believer and you're trying to encourage them and you're like, listen, I'm... I want to challenge, encourage you. Like, I think that you should really think through this. And most of the time they're like, eh, let's see. I'll try it my way. We don't want to learn from other people's mistakes. And I think that this old man is saying, listen. I'm about done, and I realized I have done it wrong. I have structured my life in the wrong way. I got stuck on the trap. And I think the challenge and the encouragement of the book of Ecclesiastes is don't get stuck in the trap. Don't structure your life in, in that, that sort of way. But again, um, my hope and my prayer for myself and for all of us is that we hear those words from this king, from this old man. But again, most of us, we want to make our own mistakes. And the reality is, is many of us won't listen to that. I also think that we have this wise man who's telling it, we don't want to listen to it. I think, you, you go back to that Johnny Cash video. The reason why I get torn up when I watch it is because I think I'm, I'm trying to listen to the message of it. It goes fast. You don't get to go again. So how are we spending our lives? Um, I think we need to learn not only from the old man in this story, um, but why do we learn from the old man in this story? It's because he's willing to be real. There is tremendous wisdom that can be learned from people that are older. Um, I'm going to do something. If you are over 60, would you stand up? If you can. What I should have done is if you're, if you're younger than 60, stand up so we can see, you know. If you are, um, if you are older than 70, stay up. If you are 80, stay up. There is tremendous wisdom that can be gained from us, from you to us, excuse me, if you're open and real about your struggles, about what you've done well and what you've not done well. And my hope and prayer is that we, as a church, would be thankful and would listen.
Um, there's tremendous wisdom we can be, that can be gained. What about this? Um, if you've been married over 30 years, would you stand up? If you've been happily married, stay up. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What about um, 40 years? Stay up. 50 years? Again, there's so much wisdom that can be gained. And it takes us being willing to listen. Not only listen to the old man in this story, but to be willing to listen to the older people in, in the room. Listen, don't, I don't want anybody who's a little bit older to think, oh, i got to make sure I say everything just right. I need to get home and gain that wisdom, I can tell. No, it's just by being real. You can sit if you want. Um, there are often times when you go into churches and it will be like the church will be, it seems like it's such a segregated time and it will be like all people that just are married and have kids and that's like seems to be the whole church. My favorite thing about this this expression of the church is the wide variety of age that we have here. And we can either use that as the gift that it is, or we can just pretend like it doesn't exist. But my hope and my prayer is that we would, yes, listen to the wisdom that comes from this, but I pray also that we would listen to the wisdom that comes from the people that are a little bit older. And and older people I think that a lot of you grew up in a culture where you're not supposed to share that you don't have it all together. You don't want people to, to think that you didn't do it right, that you didn't do it well. Don't, don't believe that lie. Share your mistakes because we need to be willing to listen. And I think that if we, as younger people in here, if we would really listen to the wisdom that comes from the from our older people, we would be so much wiser. Um, I'm not going to make you stand anymore, but how about raise your hands if your kids are out of the house? How many of you have, of those people, have grandkids? Great, great grandkids? Great, great? Mm-hmm. No. No. Again, there's wisdom that we can learn about marriage. There's wisdom that we can learn about parenting. I, I, I find that, um, that oftentimes one of two things happens with people who are a little bit older. They are flipped out that all these little kids are going to get hurt by everything. Um, I may or may not know somebody that, that my kids call Grandma Watch Out. Because anything the kids do, oh, watch out, watch out, watch out. But I think that that's, there's two things that happen. One, you become grandma watch out. The second thing that happens is they'll be fine. They're eating dirt. Who cares? It's good for them. But you know what I've found for us that are, have younger kids? Man, we want to just be in control. We have had a friend that their first kid, you could not touch their kid unless you put antibacterial lotion on first. By the third one, they did not care. You could have been caked with mud and been like, here, just take it. We'll come back in three hours. Like, <laughs> but there's wisdom that can be learned. And so younger people, 
I'm going to include myself in that. <laughs> Are we willing to be different than the world where we listen to the wisdom that comes from people who are older than us. How we are as individuals, how we are as a church, will be dictated by that. I really believe that. And so my hope and my prayer as we close is that you do not get stuck in the trap of living life in the triangle of pleasure, work, and wisdom. But that because Jesus became the curse that satisfied that, that we can become people who live in the triangle that God has designed us to be in, where he is at the center of our lives, where loving God, loving others, and making disciples is how our life is structured. That means like how I look at pleasure should come through the lens of that triangle. Like when I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with pleasure. There's not anything wrong with having a house. But but is my, the reason behind me having the house that I have is it because I want to love the Lord, love others, and make disciples? Is the reason why I, I spend money this way or that way? Does it come through that lens? My hope and my prayer is that we would hear from this old man and we would see that the we God became the curse and our life can be structured the way that it's supposed to be. Um. My prayer, my hope, is that we, as younger people, that we would listen to the wisdom that comes from this book. My prayer is that we would listen to the wisdom that comes from our older people in this body as well. Let's pray. God, um, I pray that you will not allow us as people in this room to spend our lives in such a way that we, that at the end, we think we have wasted it. Lord, we do not know what tomorrow will bring. But God, I pray that today there will be people who, who rise up because of what Jesus did on the cross and the structure of our life changes. I pray for myself, um, I pray for others, God, that we, we would respond with thanksgiving for the fact that we are no longer under that curse. So God, I pray that you would help us to not fall back into it. And God, I, I know myself that I can become in that trap and I'm sure others here too. God, I pray that there's any of us that are stuck in the trap of living this life for pleasure, for wisdom, and for work, rather than living it for you, I pray that you will convict us, you will change us, and you will bring us back to our first love. And God, if there's anyone in this room that they've never even realized that there is a different track that they can run on, that there's a different structure to their life that can happen, they didn't realize that there was a curse, they didn't realize that they were in this trap, I pray, God, that you would reach your hand down and pull them out of that trap. And that today would be the day that they bow their knee before you. God, I pray that we as a body would learn from what this old man is sharing. I pray that we would listen to the video, Johnny Cash video, and, and we would hear the message that rings out. God, let us be a people who make the most of our opportunities knowing that these days are evil. In Jesus' name.